Well, don't just sit there. Turn it up. It's time for .NET Rocks, the Internet audio talk show for .NET developers. In New London, Connecticut, I'm your host, Carl Franklin. And uh, from Alabama tonight, uh, Mark Dunn, the Southern man. Yes, yes, yes. Here I am. So what's happening down in Alabama? What are you there for? Oh, I'm uh, down here teaching a VB.NET class. Cool. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we had an interesting week because tornadoes uh, were a problem early in the week. Wow. I felt like I was back in high school again. We start the class on Monday morning. Sirens go off, and they bring everyone out in the hall. Jeez. And you remember that in school when you did yeah. drills? You had to go out in the hall and like put a book on your head? Or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like that. So for like 45 minutes, we're standing out in the hall. With a book on your head? Well, no, I didn't have a book on my head. Ah, uh, ah. You know, I was trying to tell jokes and lighten things up. Hey, speaking of jokes, man, I don't know, but my class this week, I have nine people in it, and I cannot tell a good joke. I mean, I've told my best jokes, and I hear crickets every a time. tough crowd. Very tough, but, you know, they're loving the class. They love the class. They're just, I don't know. I, I have to prod them to get a chuckle out of them. It's ah. kind of unnerving, you know? Maybe it's just that my humor is beginning to suck. <laughs> it could be that. Well, have got to come up with some new material then. <laughs> well, it's not like they've heard it before, you know. It's a new group. I've never seen these people before. Um, but, you know, really good stuff, too. You know, one of my favorite jokes is that uh, we get some uh, some new events in ASP.net. Um, kind of like, you know, the we have some old events like Session On End, but the main difference is that they work now. You know, that's the big difference. Right. You know, nothing. Nothing. Not even a chuckle. Well, maybe they're not ASP developers. No, they're all ASP developers. They get it. They understand it. It's just, I don't know. I can't tell. I can't be funny to save my life this week. Last week, our last class, I was the funniest guy in the freaking universe. I guess maybe they just, you know, shut up and teach us something. Maybe that's what, what it's all about. How's your class going this week? Oh, it's going well. We are, are caught back up from the 45-minute tornado delay that we had. <laughs> so uh, it's, a, it's a fun class. I'm teaching a Microsoft class that kind of covers everything. Uh, you know, you've got the framework, you've got Windows development, web services, ASP.NET. Hey, that sounds familiar. ADO.NET. Yeah, very cool. So this is the, the sort of the master class equivalent? Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's sort of like the master class. Oh, cool. Which one is better? Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I, well, we, I can't we probably really say. You probably shouldn't say. That's right. I, I derive <laughs> a lot of my work from Microsoft. And and that that didn't infer anything right there, right, Microsoft, right. if you're listening. It's a great class. Well, uh, the only news that I could find this week that I can share was that uh, Microsoft Windows CE.net has been uh, unveiled to do um, IP-based set-top boxes for DSL networks. So the uh, in Las Vegas, uh, what was it, yesterday, April 8th, the National Association of Broadcasters Convention, uh, at, at there, Microsoft announced that the, the next version will include uh, Windows Media 9, which offers the same video quality in one-third the bit rate of MPEG-2 and one-half the rate of MPEG-4, over IP network. So uh, that's that says something about Windows Media 9. I right. just started working with that, actually. I'm going to try to do this latest Sunny Day video with uh, MPEG, uh, with Windows Media 9. 
Yeah, we should mention that. We have a, a new Sunny Day video coming out. It's coming out, yeah. If it's not on the site by the time you hear this, it should be soon. It's a the long-awaited Sunny Day number three. <laughs> right. Well, I, I previewed the video to my class right after we talked about objects. Yeah. And it was a big hit. Yeah, I showed it to my class. They They grinned a little. you just had a tough crowd it's been a really tough week like i said you know i'm getting great great um results on you know evals and they're doing the labs and they really the the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive it's just they they don't laugh (laughs) oh they're laughing on the inside yeah great they're laughing at me they don't want (laughs) to laugh at me so they're being polite right (laughs) inside they're saying what a dork (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I heard that in sixth grade, man. Show up and show me some code. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're in luck tonight. And uh, hey, for the first time, probably, I'm as excited as you are, I bet. That's hard to imagine. I think but... excited is the key word tonight. Because yeah. um, we have the one, the only, Dino Esposito with us tonight. Hey, Dino. Hey. I'm gl- I'd like to introduce you formally, if I can. Oh wow! By uh, sort okay, of. But if if you're gonna introduce me first, yeah, pronounce my last name correctly. I, I'm the sorry. The Italian way. Esposito. No, Esposito. Esposito. Okay. <laughs> Esposito. I know everything about. Uh, uh, I think a, a, an American or a Canadian hockey player, uh-huh. very famous. Yeah, but okay, right. But, uh, Esposito. Yeah. Okay. Esposito. Okay. That's the Italian pronunciation. Well, okay. I will. I will. I want to be one of the guys, so I will pronounce it correctly. Oh, okay. Great. I'm sure the the you'll like uh, this introduction because uh, you have a new book out on uh, ASP.NET programming. Uh, you are a Wintelect ADO.NET expert, a trainer, a consultant. You probably write the most interesting articles in MSDN magazine. Um, the thing I like about your articles is that they're always you're always thinking about how to apply the technology in the real world, and I like that. Um, it's not just simply, uh, "Hey, you can do this," or you know, uh, "Here's how you do it." You are um, your your articles on the web uh, include the Shell Game column on CodeGuru.com, uh, ASPToday.com, uh, www.win2000mag.net. Um, you also have several books going on, Professional ASP 3.0, Professional Windows DNA, uh, Shell Programming from Rocks Press, Instant DHTML Scriptlets, and Windows Script Host Programmer's Reference. i got to say something. When do you have time to eat? <laughs> well, when I'm in Birmingham, in Alabama. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and def- preferably not ribs, yeah. right? <laughs> no, not ribs, no. So, Mark, what happened with the ribs? Tell me the story. Well, it it wasn't ribs. I think, uh, we'll see, what, you got chopped beef, didn't you, Dino? Oh, barbecue. Right, right. Uh, Dino wanted to experience some local fare there Well, first of all, you're, you, Dino is in Birmingham this week for some reason. What, what are you there for? Um, to teaching, of course. To okay. teach, of course. Yeah. Okay, so you're teaching. What other reason? So you guys hooked up and you took Dino out to a, an authentic Southern American barbecue place right we went to johnny ray's oh which God. is a classic in birmingham so what happened well uh i was telling dino about barbecue on the way there and he was thinking it might be good but i don't think it was quite compatible with his palate well i mean you know you're from rome you have the best wine the best food you know yep barbecue this is the stuff we throw away right <laughs> <laughs> 
But actually, with some sauce. Actually, <laughs> the, the the first time, the first time that time, uh, I came to the states. It was a uh, seven, eight, eight, uh, eight years ago, probably in '95 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Washington, and I wanted to try something that, uh, I mean, for some reason, sounded promising to me. Yeah. But I tried that. I had a sandwich with that kind of stuff inside. Only one bite. Then I throw it away. <laughs> and it was the barbecue, exactly the same stuff that I ate yesterday. <laughs> oh, no. So you didn't tell him you hated barbecue when you drove into the place. Hey, you know, I really hate this stuff. No, actually, the, the, the stuff that I got yesterday was not that bad. But, uh, ah. yeah, okay, um, compared to the, the the one that I had in Washington, okay. without knowing the name of the kind of, of the stuff. But uh, Right. Well, I don't think Washington is the barbecue capital of the America, of uh, the United States. No, no, they're not known for pork up there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they don't even have pegs in Washington. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. They have the kind that fly, basically. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but we were able to join a couple of friends uh, uh, of mine there in Birmingham to uh, to go out to eat. So once we were finished, they suggested, of course, that we go get ice cream. Uh-huh. And we went to a place called the Coal Slab. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. After, after dinner, <laughs> I wanted to be laid out on a coal slab. Lord, but, good Lord. Yeah, after having a bowl of ice cream the size of my head... Uh, <laughs> How do you like American ice cream as compared to gelato or the stuff that you have in Italy? Uh, roughly the same was good. It okay. Was good. It's roughly the same? Yeah, I think so. Oh. It's very good. Oh, cool. But uh, had, my uh, friends are going to take, I guess, Dino out to get a steak. Uh, is it tomorrow night that you're going to go out? Mm-hmm. Are you still there, Dino? Yeah, I'm still there. Okay, no, I'm thinking. <laughs> 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 I always think before I speak. Oh, that's, that's why good... I speak so fast. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so much. What was the story you were going to tell me about Esposito? Now, there was a friend who was like you. Uh, Not when funny? When he learned about the correct pronunciation <laughs> of my name. Oh, okay. He, he wanted to um, to show this sort of knowledge with his, his own friends. And, pronounce, and he started pronouncing the name of the hockey player the Italian way. And the result was that, say, why? Are you crazy? What are you saying? <laughs> no, no, no. The Italian pronunciation is correct. I don't, we don't care about that. We say esposito. <laughs> Everything has its proper time yeah. and place. It's proper context. Yeah, proper context. Yeah. And also on this, along this guideline, there's a similar story that um, it was uh, sometimes, uh, it was uh, a few years ago, I was watching... Um, uh, tennis on TV, and um, uh, the journalist presenting uh, the players said um, um, there was a Swedish journalist uh, who was talking about um, an Italian player, but he was pronouncing pronun- <clears throat> the pronunciation of the Italian name said from a Swedish man right. sounded like uh, cane, 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 but now. Cane in Italian means dog. Oh. So someone said so it was it was nice. Say, cane, cane. This this dog of player. This player. This was sounded like this player plays like a dog. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> this player plays like a dog. Fergie, 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 Fergie. Hey, Scooby Dooby. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. I'm Swedish too, so yeah, okay. I can, uh, I can that's pick the Swedish on, accent. Okay, I can I pick on the Swedes. I miss that. Yeah, I can. Pick I'm familiar on the Swedes. with the Danish ones. Yeah, they don't talk to each other very much. The Swedes and the Danes. Is that okay. true? I, I I don't think they. Uh, I think they have a little rivalry rivalry going over there. Uh-huh. I don't know who can be the most neutral or something. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So let's talk about you. Yeah. So uh, tell me about your new book. The new book. The official guide, hopefully, the official guide, the more the bestseller guide, more hopefully, about uh, HealthP.net and targeted to version 1.1. Okay, and the new out exactly in July, July first of July or something like that from Microsoft Press. Okay. Oh, uh, it's going to be well, programming HealthP.net, so everything that you need to know to program in 1,000, 1,000, more than 1,000 pages. Wow. What's uh? What are some of the highlights of the what you can do new in version one point one framework? Well, in the framework uh, in version one point one, there is I don't think there are big changes, little changes yeah. that you can see, little changes that uh, that can be considered as uh, new features for you as a programmer. Right. But okay. uh, I think that the most in- interesting part of the story is what you cannot see or what you don't see. Unless you, you you seek for it, and okay. uh, security is an interesting area of changes in version one point one. Okay. Yeah. And in particular, there are there is something that uh, I discovered uh, talking to a few Microsoft guys, and uh, it has to do with uh, a potentially risky behavior, seriously risky behavior that we have in version one point zero, and has been changed silently and efficiently in version one point one. Hmm. And it has to do with impersonation. Okay. Actually, if you try to impersonate uh, an, an identity in uh, version 1, uh, this operation is performed by the worker process of SP.NET. And any process under a Windows operating system prior to Windows 2003 to perform impersonation, needs to call it WinDirty2 API, Lagon user, or something like that. But more interestingly, to be able to make a successful, a successful call to that API, the process needs to have an administrative privilege. Ooh. Not necessarily enabled. Ah. Okay? But still granted. Then the API will take care of enabling and disabling in the shortest time possible that privilege, but still that privilege must be granted to the API. And this is a potential hole in security. Uh, inversion of this, uh, this uh, sort of behavior uh, depends on the fact that uh, the operating system, so Windows, not ASP.NET, not the framework, but just Windows, requires to make a call to this API certain privileges. This feature will be fixed at the root with um, Windows 2003 Server, where uh, this um, privilege uh, will not be requested any longer to perform impersonation. So the trick that they performed in uh, ASP.NET 1.1 to avoid the worker process of ASP.NET to to be granted this um, privilege, potentially risky privilege, was simply uh, performing a trick like this. They basically... uh, Revectored the call from the worker process back to the ISP.NET is happy. Okay. And uh, 
it's the ISAPI component running within the context of an internet information server, which performs the impersonation, gets the token from the okay. system, and then memory maps that token back to the, um, to the worker process of ISP.NET. So the worker process is not granted that dangerous privilege right. because he doesn't need it, basically. Right, right. And all the hard job is done by IIS and in particular by the ISP.NET is at the filter. Very nice. That's the story. It's a, it's a neat trick. Yeah, that works. And it works. And this is only probably the, the most interesting and the most effective of the, the many changes in security that we find not directly visible uh, from the API level, from the .NET framework level, but uh, yeah, security is a serious. It's a serious. Microsoft have been have been has been serious about security in version 1.1 of the framework, and that's the most uh, the most interesting area they change it. Uh, so I don't think there are big changes uh, in the framework in terms of methods, new classes, and stuff like that. Do you do you think that um, you know? As people may or may not know, we've mentioned it before, but you know, not everybody hears every episode. Um, that the framework 1.1 on the uh, intranet zone has full trust now in 1.1. Yeah. By default, um, do you think that is going to uh, invigorate the auto deployment um, revolution? <laughs> in other words let people make a real hard take a real hard look at ASP.NET for intranet versus Windows Forms with auto deployment I don't know it's hard to say we don't see a lot of people using it quite yet no you really don't i mean you, i i know a lot of a lot of companies that have figured it out and that are using it and that get it but uh you know it's certainly not a well publicized feature of uh, .NET. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's not very, it's not very talked about as a feature yet. It's too bad. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, Dino, we were talking about view state a little bit last night. Um, you mentioned something that I wasn't aware of. Carl, you may have known this, but uh, Dino was saying that view state is by default encrypted. Well, actually, it's not encrypted. Sounds like it looks like it's base sixty four encoded. Well, but enable Mac, I think you said was on or set to true. Okay, that that's the story. It's not encrypted. The view set is not encrypted. It's still encoded, base sixty four encoded. But um, which firm? Also, you know, yeah, also in version encrypted. one, uh, when the page posts back, the view state is Mac checked, and the fact that this happens by default anyway. Is, uh, is not written correctly in version 1 documentation. Huh. It's only this. Only this. And the documentation is correct about that, about enable view state Mac, that property on the page class. Um, so what are you saying? That it's it, it checks the Mac address of the oh, calling it simply, code? It simply means that uh, when the page uh, the, when the page um, when the view state is generated uh, the view state uh, is made of basically uh, th the content of the state bag class, right. binary serialized. Yeah. And then this content, before being base sixty four encoded, it has it is <clears throat> it is hashed using a few a few blocks of information to generate this sort of key. 
Okay. One of the values is an internal key stored on the server in the local security authority. Okay. And this class, this uh, key is generated uh, upon installation of the framework, of the ASP.NET framework in particular. And um, another n- another interesting changes that, the changes that we have in version 1.1 is that you can specify, and there is a new property on the page class, you, spec- you can specify a string, a custom string, that is also used, that also contributes together with some server-generated values to hash the content, the stream of bytes that represents the serialized version of the view state. Huh. As a result, so you, you, you can add your own level of, well, well, actually, it's not a personal level of security, but you can contribute to the security by adding user-specific information. Okay. And there's a new property called view state user key. Oh, great. On the, on the page class that you can use to add your, to give your own contribution to the, the final key that is used to hash the content right. of the serialized view state. And after this, the view state is base64 encoded and sent to the client. When the page posts back, the yeah, content yeah. of the view state is hashed back. Is checked basically for a tampering, uh, and if everything only if everything goes fine, the view state is uh, decoded and is um, and is used actually. Well, the, the check against tampering, so the, this check against the, the, the possible malicious attacks performed on the client is not performed by default. This is what the documentation in version one says, but uh, this was exactly uh, one of the change on those changes that Microsoft entered last minute changes just before they ship version one in January February two thousand two. So only the documentation in version one is incorrect, but the code works fine and is work, works securely. More importantly, in version one point one, uh, they uh, they added the property view state user key and they correct, they fix it, the documentation. So read documentation of version 1.1 if you want to have, to if you want to understand all my book or get my book. Good. You mentioned something, and I'll, uh, I know Mark has a question too, but uh, you mentioned something about the local security store on the server. Yeah, local security authority, LSA. Authority. I don't know exactly what it is, but is that... <laughs> I'm just quoting the documentation. Okay. There's a there is a a place on the system where you can store keys, is that right for safe storage? Yeah, I, I, I well, yeah, exactly. Uh, lo- the local security authority is something that has to do with uh, operating systems. With the, it's a feature, it's a subsystem of right. the operating system. Okay. But uh, w- what you said remind me, reminds me just of another feature that is. Uh, is available in version 1.1, but also with service pack, th- service pack 3 for version 1. And the possibility that you now uh, maintain uh, critical information like passwords, for example, outside of the config files. You know, if you... Right, right. Okay, if you That's want to... That's why I was interested in that local security authority. Yeah, if you, for example, if you want to... Uh, impersonate if you need for an application to impersonate a fixed identity. So you have to specify username and that will be the list and password. You obviously want to encrypt that. Exactly. Yeah. But now you can encrypt passwords. 
But encryption of the password is not something that takes place within the config file. In the config file, basically, you store a link, a reference, a forward reference, to a location within the registry where okay. the password and even the usernames are stored, encrypted this time, really encrypted this time. And there is a little utility, hspnet underscore set reg, uh, a new executable part of the framework of the SDK. And with this utility, you specify uh, the registry path you want to use, uh, the registry keys you want to be created, and the values to store. And this utility encrypts uh, the information and stores that into, into the registry. And in the config files, only for a few sections of the config files, session state, identity, I, I, and there's another one I can remember exactly now, uh, only for a process model, I think, only for um, elements in these three sections of the web config file or the machine config file, uh, instead of passwords and usernames, you simply store references to uh, the paths uh, within the registry. Huh. And this works also in version 1, as long as you have Service Pack 3 installed. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So this was all new info to me. I, Carl, did you uh, know about this? Um, somewhat. I, I knew about the view state hash uh, in 1.1. I wrote an article for MSDN on the new features. And uh, but I didn't I didn't realize uh, uh, the uh, the thing about the MAC address being encoded into the view state. Didn't know that. Yeah. Actually, if you if you if you ever tried to uh, to if if you turn the tracing feature on on a website on a, on a on a web page that um, for which view state is disabled. Have you have you ever tried that? Uh huh. Well, if you try that, what you what really happens is that you see that um, in the tracing, in the information in the in, in the traced information, you see that the size of the view state is always twenty bytes, at least twenty bytes, even if view state is disabled. And the twenty bytes are exactly the size of the key. Ah, yeah, very cool. Well, I know we don't have our summer schedule up yet, but we're working on it. But hey, we wanted to tell you that we've added some great new topics to the VB.NET Masterclass. None the least of which is .NET Remoting. We've talked about it here on .NET Rocks, and you may be very curious about it as an alternative to web services. And now I can show you a very easy, repeatable pattern for using .NET Remoting with data sets and your business objects using the Internet Information Server, the HTTP channel, and the binary formatter. Another topic we've added is GDI Plus programming, uh, showing you how to do graphics and printing, and we've added a topic on asynchronous calls and multi-threaded applications. So, check out the VB.NET Masterclass. Uh, you'll be glad you did. Now let's get back to our talk with Dino Esposito, and hey, part of my cold, it's been a rough week. Here on .NET Rocks, don't you go away. I, I always get asked this question. Yep. Maybe you can tell me. Um, what's the best practice? And if I hear that intro to a question one more time, <laughs> what's the best practice for storing uh, uh, for storing uh, connection strings 
in config files in the registry and this and that. And uh, my answer is always, well, you know, it totally depends on the security of your web server, I think. If your web server is completely secure with NT security uh, and it's locked down, the, the file system's locked down anyway, you know, just put it in clear text in the config file. Mm -hmm. You can also use, con you know, encryption to encrypt. One thing that I've been doing a lot, and I, I really like it, is in my business object, I'll make a property that is the encrypted connection string. And I'll hard code a key in there or I'll get a key from somewhere. That's another thing I want to talk about. Where do you put your keys? But um, which we, I was alluding to with the security authority. Maybe I could do that. Um, and then use that as a dynamic property. So it's automatically written out to a config mm -hmm. file. And I can use another with the same key uh, or the same public key. I can encrypt, use another program to encrypt the connection string. So I can set it from one program, and then it is encrypted on the disk and in the config file and read in decrypted. So I want to hear what your, your ideas are for that. Well, personally, I think that personally, the, that's a personal preference. Uh, I don't like to work myself with encryption and decryption. So personally, uh, I love solutions that uh, can give me uh, protection against attacks that can keep my uh, information, my private data uh, protected, but without forcing me to explicitly make uh, use of encryption. So personally, I like very, very much the, uh, the, the approach based on the registry and especially the approach based on the fact that the encryption is managed directly by the framework. Okay. Also consider that the registry is outside the web space of an application. The only thing I have against the registry is that if you have to reinstall Windows for any reason, you lose all that stuff. Oh, well, okay, yeah, that, that's correct. Actually, there are tools to back up the registry. Okay. Also, portions of the registry. So I don't think that's. I, I know. I know enough. I think. I think I know enough about the registry. And I'm probably I'm one of the very few guys on the face of the heart that um, are not really scared of working with the registry, or opening the registry, and deleting keys within the registry and stuff like that. Well, as long as you know what you're deleting, there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, actually, no, actually, it was nice because uh, I, I told um, a couple of years ago. I told um, a class a part. Of that class it was an advanced Wind Windows 2000 class, was just consisting of, well, performing serious manipulations on the registry and then restoring everything as it was before. So, actually, I, I personally, personally, I like the approach uh, involving the registry. And uh, well, otherwise, I think that you have, if you don't want to use the registry and the approach and the, the architecture that they built in version 1.1, I think that yeah, we, you you have to manage. The, the the only other possibility you have is managing encryption directly yourself. So, right. so I think that your your, your solution your uh, well, is not too bad. Yeah. All, all in all, okay. It's not my favorite one, but but I mean, it's a matter of preference. Sure. Yeah. I, right. I so your favorite. I guess approach would be to to take a connection string and stick it in a key in the registry. Is that right? No, no. Uh, Dino's saying he would use this uh, this uh, pointer into an encrypted item in the registry that while well, the encryption is done for him. Uh, what is the 
What is the, the, the code or the function or whatever that does that? Do you know? No, actually, you still, you still use uh, the, um, uh, the configuration API. Okay. It doesn't change anything in your code. That, that's oh, okay. So the, it's, that's in the con- part it's of just the story. a config file entry. Yeah. Okay. So actually, can... actually, the, the, now, now that you make me thinking a little more in detail about this feature, I have to say that there's I me mean, uh, today. You, you mentioned explicitly connection strings. Okay, uh, using the registry in this way is not supported for uh, 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 is not supported outside a very few. So it's not a general feature. This one It's only specifically designed for passwords and for usernames. So connection strings. Is outside the um, it's outside the, the the power. It's not something you can obtain using uh, this feature. So well, because only 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 the session state identity and process model. So only the keys defined within these sections in the web config files. So you just make a, a registry entry then and hide it. Is what you're saying? Yeah, but uh, I mean, my 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 personal problem is with uh, the encryption API. So any other approach, uh, any other key you want to save using this model, requires you to use encryption. So at that point, if you don't like the registry, you 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 can and you manage encryption yourself. You can store uh, information, critical information, just about everywhere. All right. Um, what is it that you have against the crypto API or crypt- encryption in general? Uh, n- nothing. It's just, just I don't like. <laughs> I don't, I don't like. Just I don't like encryption com- in general. Extra complex. I don't like API for encryption in general. Okay. It, it's it's not matter of security or or performance or nothing. Just matter of just a personal preference. Personal preference. Okay. I, I would avoid that if possible at all. Okay. You dislike it more than Southern barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of. <laughs> Oh man! If I'm hungry, I can have southern barbecue. So if I'm desperate, I can have encryption. <laughs> hey Dino, y'all want another piece of meat? <laughs> oh man! It's almost like you were there, Carl. Yeah. So, uh, so you do you hate country and western music too? I take it. It's probably it's nothing. It's no Pavarotti, you know. Uh huh. What kind of music do you listen to? Mm, rock. Rock. Just rock. Just rock. Every every, every sort. Every, every flavor of rock. Old style rock and roll. Tutti frutti or stuff like that. Tutti frutti. Rock around the clock. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Are there any uh, good Italian rock bands that you like? No, there are a few. A couple. Just a couple of them. Yeah, but uh, I still love Rolling Stones. Uh, cool, and, uh, and also Beatles, of course. Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, I feel like the classic rock and roll. Yeah. So rock, no rock Puccini, rock. no no uh, Rigoletto, you know. Uh, no, no, I, I'm, no, I don't like uh, classic music. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't like it. Well, it's okay. I can I can only take so much uh, Wagner in one evening. Anyway, so. Uh-huh. I'm, I I like some classical, just can't stand opera, uh-huh. especially the uh, the female voices. The shrill drives me crazy. Now the only time I like opera is in the Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> That's right. Kill the wabbit. Elmer Fudd doing the ring cycle. <laughs> <laughs> Brunhilda. <laughs> I, I, are you trying love. to? Are you trying with uh, a special? 
particular piece of some some opera maybe no no what we're talking about there's a bugs bunny cartoon where Elmer uh, okay, Fudd, no. okay okay yeah, okay no, uh, he does a wagner piece i suspect that you were going to start uh, with a performance uh, no 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 kill the wabbit <laughs> <laughs> all right well anyway enough silliness so um so uh, uh, you're always writing articles for MSDN magazine. Uh, yeah, you probably that's my job. That's yeah. my primary job. So you have a, a regular column. Yep. Tell me about the the column and some of the cool things that you've done in there. Actually, uh, well, there is uh, the, the the article in the June magazine is about building a custom control ASP.NET custom control that basically. Um, generates a chart, a bar chart, but using HTML, so using tables. Okay. And uh, I made it a templated control and a data-bound control. Oh, and good. Yeah. And with a, a very nice trick to display uh, a rule behind uh, the bar chart to give you an idea of uh, values. And it's just a simple bitmap, a background bitmap. Oh, good. In the table. So actually, that article and that control in particular are very, very useful because I, I'm using that. I used already in, in, in a couple of applications that I wrote, I've worked on in the past few weeks. And uh, actually, it is effective and because it's HTML, only HTML. So you don't have right. extra effort of a second round trip to download even a dynamically generated JPEG image or GIF image, whatever it is. Right. Uh, so it's effective in terms of uh, bandwidth, and it's cool in terms of the UI. Yeah. Of course, it is not 3D, it is not a pie chart, but it's great. But it and works. Once you, since the control is data-bound, it's effective too, also from the programming point of view. Yeah. And the fact that it supports the templates makes it, makes it completely and fully customizable. That brings up a, a very good question for me. You know, when you pull a calendar control or a data grid control onto a web page in Visual Studio.net, you right-click and you select Auto Format, a, uh, a dialog box pops up with a bunch of different styles for the data grid control or the calendar control. And uh, there might even be more controls that I don't know that have this Auto Format feature. And what it effectively does is sets a whole bunch of styles for mm -hmm. the selected item, the border color, the this color, the that yeah, color. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Is that list somewhere in on the disk where I can add my own styles to it and uh, modify them? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, I don't have an answer. But, uh, oh, great. Then, well. I don't have an answer. But, uh, well, I would say yes. I think that somewhere there should be infinite some sort of file in any place hidden somewhere uh, under Visual Studio, in the Visual Studio 3, uh, where that information is stored. Uh -huh. uh, I asked that question several times myself, but uh, I never found enough time to, to dig it out. Yeah, that's exactly where I find myself, too. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I feel so. I feel yes, but uh, I have to answer right now, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. Oh, we'll, we'll check that out, and maybe yeah. if we find a link, we'll put it on the website. Hey, this is Carl. We since found out that those settings and those styles are hard-coded into the calendar control dialog box setup template thing, whatever it is, but it's hard-coded. So don't bother looking for it. Okay, now back to the show. So you're a thousand-page book. Yep. What, uh, what kind of topics do you cover in this book? 
Okay, I can read the table sure. of contents. If yeah, you want. let's let's check it out. <laughs> okay, let, let me. Let, let, okay, now I call, basically the book is articulated in uh, five or, or or maybe six parts. Okay. Uh, basically, I cover uh, mm, basics of a page. So in our in our pages work. So basically, the HTTP runtime model, uh, also with uh, insights on uh, the new IIS six process model. Oh, good. I cover controls, but controls in detail. So existing controls in details, but uh, with uh, with information about how to create, for example, controls dynamically. What really happens when you create controls dynamically? How the view state is managed for dynamically create controls and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, then there is a part uh, on ADO.net and data access with uh, a chapter about uh, programming with uh, data grids, with another one with repeater and data list controls, and um, a chapter about uh, paging data in web applications, because this is another big problem, another problem right. that, uh, well, th- the availability of smart components like the cache and classes like the data grid uh, well, does not completely solve because if you have, for example, session-specific data and if you have information that by design cannot be cached because it has to be always up-to-date, well, right. the cache is not useful at all or not much, not that much useful uh, as Microsoft seemed to suggest. For that data, yeah. Yeah, for, for that particular, for that particular mm-hmm. context, for that particular scenario, of course. But it's, it is a very common scenario indeed, I think, or at least based on my experience. Sure. So in that case, you need to resort to smart SQL queries. Because if your data needs to be up to date, well, I, I don't think there are many other options other than going down to SQL Server or whatever the database is every time, each and every time. Sure. So in that case, using smart storage procedures, using smart queries, and especially when you have to page, well, that's important. Right, sure. So I think that one of the things that um, ADO.net brings up is the importance, it's a sort of revamped importance of writing smart queries, smart SQL queries. So a knowledge of SQL, the language, the particular language for uh, the particular DBMS you are working with is uh, an, an aspect of programming that probably was uh, people forgot about in the past few years. And only yeah. with uh, ADO.net, with um, an annotated overview of ADO.net, uh, can regain uh, the due importance, I think. Right, that's very true. Uh, you know, I often see people write very inefficient queries. You know, they're selecting. Uh, a bunch of columns they don't use from the table, yeah, or in some cases they don't use a where clause and they select every row. Yeah, yeah but the, the, in particular, there is an aspect that I want to emphasize, and then this is one: uh, when you use a data grid to to page through a data grid, for example, and if you use the standard and simple approach to pagination, which consists basically of uh, running the query each and every time and binding the whole data set you get back to the to the grid, you run into a sort of paradox because you may be downloading thousands or at least hundreds of rows just to display 10 or 5 or 20. Because the data grid correctly manages the data source for you and extracts 
only the rows that that fit into the particular page it is displaying. So if you just get one, all the rows that are for yeah, a particular exactly. page, but you're still getting you're still getting all the rows that the query selects, and you are binding all those rows to the grid, and then it's up the grid. Okay, is smart enough to select only a few rows, but all the rows, the whole record set, the whole uh, result set the query generated has been bound and has been stored into the web server memory. Right, so I would suggest right. making yep. your queries only one page at a time. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And this raises another problem. How can you accomplish that? Okay, there are many ways, fortunately. But sure. uh, uh, the most efficient ways of getting exactly that page require that you enter some changes to the tables or you make some assumptions on the structure and the characteristics of the table. And it, sometimes you have a very tough DBA people working along with you, and you cannot make those assumptions. So you need to resort to SQL, so nesting queries using the top clause if you're working with SQL Server, right, or top, if you're working max. with, say, Oracle, you, you, you have the row num keyword, Count. which is there just to help you. And I've heard rumors that we can have a similar keyword in Yukon. What if you uh, take one query and insert all the rows into a temporary table and then pull out uh, yeah. the maximum, the count from that, divide, yeah, but divide, that, by, divide that by your uh, number of pages and, uh, or the number of items per page and just select those, those items? Yeah, th that it works, but uh, well, temporary tables uh, probably are not the most efficient way of using SQL Server. Uh, I, I think that I mean, I, okay, I've never forget done the temporary tables. Why not just get a account of the of the number of rows that match, and uh, just insert their numbers into a into a separate table? Uh huh. Yeah, you know what are we talking about? How many rows are we talking about here? Are we talking about ten thousand rows? Are you going to do paging for? You know, fifty thousand pages. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, no. Absolutely Are we talking not. about you know no, probably five hundred rows? If you have rows. to page, if you have to page through such a huge number of rows, yeah, then it's not. You're probably writing the bad, the, the, the wrong the wrong code exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or the wrong way. <laughs> so I don't know. As if uh, you know, a temporary table is not going to slow you down that much. Well, probably you're right. Probably you're right. Uh, mine was more a way of reasoning in, in general terms. So embedded queries True. are probably in general more efficient than temporary tables. But yeah. certainly temporary tables uh, uh, can lead to write uh, a more maintainable code probably because you don't have to 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 to, to, to right. get crazy yeah? to right. understand the complexity of uh, and the sophistication of uh, that text that turns out to be. SQL. But it's a fascinating topic, and you're right. Um, one of the things that I really respect about your writing is that uh, you clearly lay out some gotchas, you know, and you say, hey, you know, there are issues here, and uh, you really have to think your way through them, so let's do that. And um, rather than just, you know, being a, a cheerleader for this technology or that technology, which, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not saying who is and who isn't. I'm just saying that it's it's good to to hear somebody who's focused on, okay, this is the problem, and here's, you know, let's think through the problem and uh, right. address it somehow in a couple of ways. So is your book already out, Dino, or is it uh, coming no, out first of July. The first of July. Um, okay. the, the, new book, the new one. Well, you know, I'm going to put that book on my list of, uh, of books to buy. Absolutely. Yeah. 
it's already it's already available through Amazon if you want. I can give you the URL. Yeah, let's put it up on the site. Yeah, we'll put a link on. Absolutely. But actually, uh, it looks like um, that uh, some people already ordered it on, through Amazon. <laughs> cool. Yep. As a matter of fact, I see it on eBay right here. No. Uh, um, <laughs> what are you talking about at uh, Dev Connections in New Orleans on May 6th through 9th? Yep. Yeah, what are, what are some of the topics you're doing? I don't know uh, which one you choose. <laughs> okay. I, I particularly like the, uh, the, the one hour of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, that's um, the idea for that talk, actually. Uh, I got that idea uh, many, many years ago when I, when I was a simple uh, and very shy programmer working <laughs> on Windows 16, uh-huh. Windows 3.1 or whatever. Actually, uh, I had an application, and I continually uh, were facing requests from different users for adding slightly new features, uh, uh, slightly different features from the existing uh, Did we standard. work at the same company back then? Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I seem to recall So, uh, one day I, I decided that uh, I had enough of that uh, way of working, so I said, let me build into the application a sort of general layer that will make possible for users or for me, for other programmers, to extend in a rather neat and easy way the set of functions and the user interface of, uh, of the application. So at that time, I simply defined an architecture so that the application, a Win16 application, could call into a DLL uh, with a function with a certain name and with a certain uh, signature. Well, actually, COM was not around yet at the time, uh, but that, this is exactly the concept of an interface. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So in .NET, actually, I'm doing exactly the same, but this time using interfaces, using classes, and using, uh, uh, using in particular the activator component to create in 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 a sort of late bound mode, late bound mode, or like a dynamic uh, an instance uh, of the component, where, where you simply know the the name of the class and the assembly. So I load the component registered in a certain place to fit into a certain area of the application, uh, in, so that the, the, it's just a matter of instantiating a class from a, dynamically so, from so an it's assembly. So sort of like a plugin that you yeah, plugin exactly, plugin yeah. just it, just that, just a plugin. It's a generic architecture for building, for making your application pluggable. That's oh, it. that's very cool. Yep. And you're going to be demonstrating that at Dev Connections yeah, in absolutely. a one-hour talk. Absolutely. Cool. That's a great conference. What do you What did you think of last year, Orlando? That was great. Yeah. That was great. I think it, now it's the number one conference. Yeah, I, th- I think so. There's just so much, so much great content. No, no, no. I think, but for a number of reasons, I think. Uh, also, well, also from I think also from the attendees' point of view, uh, I mean, and, and, and I'm not saying only content, but only for for all the other things that attendees can have and need want to find around the conference. Yeah, I think that for enough from from enough for a number of reasons, that connection now is definitely number one conference, technical mm. conference. Cool. Well, you heard it here, folks. Get on down to New Orleans, May sixth through ninth. Mm. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm also hopping on a plane um, after that conference and going to Montreal for another one called Dev Teach. Yeah, I know. Are you in? Uh, are you doing Dev Teach too? 
Uh, no. Okay. Well, no, because, uh, well, uh, that week, uh, there was uh, the birthday of my, my son. It's my son's birthday, so. Oh, good. I need to stay home. Yeah. Stay don't have your problems, right? Yeah. So that's a, that's going to be a three or two or three day conference yeah. up in Montreal. I'm looking forward to that. Hey, what are you waiting for? There's only a little time left to register for Visual Studio Connections, May 6th through 9th, 2003, at the New Orleans Hilton in Nolens, Louisiana. Hey, you could win a Harley. Just go to www.devconnections.com slash vs. Keynote speakers include David Lazar, the group product manager for the .NET Tools and Services, uh, Microsoft Corporation, and Scott Guthrie, the co-creator of ASP.NET for Microsoft. This is, as Dino said, this is a great conference. Uh, it is the premier conference. And uh, we may not get Bill Gates, and we may not have Steve Ballmer talking up there, but let's face it, you don't go to a developer conference to hear those guys, do you? No, you want to hear developers. You want to hear from the trenches. This is what it's all about at Dev Connections. Check it out. www.devconnections.com slash vs. Okay, now let's get back to Dino and Mark here on .NET Rocks. Don't you go away. Well, um, you've you've written obviously tons and tons of solutions and and uh, great articles. What are some of the some other highlights of things that you figured out? And you know, I'm per- I, like I said before, one of the things I really admire about you is that uh, you you come up with great applications for technologies and how to apply them to do something. You know, that will actually save you time, save you money, save you effort, or or just do something you couldn't do before. Just give me a just pick any great example from your history here to share with us. For example, the plugin application is uh, well. Sure. How about another example. one? <laughs> Probably is the the most illustrious example. Okay. Yeah, certainly, certainly that. And also, I think that uh, on another line, the um, and specifically speaking of web applications and. And uh, ASP.NET applications, I think that the data grid control is uh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it uh, and I come up in uh, a few months, uh, but just trying to just trying to learn the, the internals of the data grid. Yeah. So in a few months, I've been able to create a component, so a easily reusable component, really powerful. Uh, rich and nice and, and pleasant to see, very very user friendly and really attractive. Also from from the simple UI perspective. Well, okay. For example, uh, one of the applications that uh, one of the well, it's not an application; it's just a feature that I've been able to build into uh, the data grid control is just uh, uh, the ability to make it look like a tab strip. Huh. Okay. So, but just changing. Uh, with uh, me dynamic styling, just changing the way in which the pager bar looks like. So you, if you move the, the pager bar on top of the grid, which is something that the control perfectly supports, right? And if you just arrange a few the back, a few background, a few colors, background colors, foreground colors, font borders, well, it looks like just exactly like 
a tab strip, tab strip control. So not really different from the Microsoft Internet Explorer control, if ah, you know it. Yeah, right, the uh, controls you can download. Uh... Exactly, yeah, one of the free controls. The, those controls exploit heavily dynamic HTML. My, It's simply a server-side control, so there is no support, no special uh, support expected from uh, from the client. Yeah. But uh, just changing styles... Now, did you derive a new class? Exactly. Yeah. Well, of course, of course, of course, you can. You derive a new class. And actually, I think that there's an article that I wrote for uh, ASP Pro Magazine, ASP ASP.NET Pro Magazine. Yeah. Uh, that just provides you with a tablet grid control. It's a separate control, and you can. Well, you, you just. It also you, you can either work with this uh, having the text that normally you display in the pager bar on the tabs, but you can also customize the, the tabs so that you end up having a grid that lets you page uh, for, say, for uh, months over here. So let me see the order in January, February, March, whatever. Huh. So, the, I mean, it, it's to accomplish this feature, to, to accomplish this uh, <clears throat> This feature, uh, you, you have to, in a certain way, you, you have to revert uh, the order, the relationship between the number of pages in a, in, a, in a data source displayed through a grid and the size of the page. You normally keep constant the size of the page, so 10, 20, whatever maximum number of rows in a page. And you have, but you leave variable, the number of pages to click in the pager bar. Huh. Okay, but if you if you revert this relationship, and if you say, okay, I have an, a fixed number of links in the pager bar, so twelve links, one per each month in a year, and I keep variable the number of rows displayed in the grid, you have. Without, I mean, without completely rewriting the control, but just configuring the data grid control in a slightly different way and just exploiting custom paging, which is a built-in feature of the grid control, you have, you have a way to perform a sort of logical pagination. You sure. don't page 10 records at a time. You page logical blocks of records. Sure. All the orders, say, issued in January, all the, which is, which for you, sir, is critical, and having such a feature implemented in an application makes extremely uh, easier for them to work with the application because it's more natural for them to look for orders, so so to speak, issued in January in a month rather than uh, searching by position. Hmm. And you don't have to build anything really new for this, just configuring, just adapting the control, an existing control. And this is another application I'm really proud of. Well, one thing I wanted to talk about uh, or ask Dino is something that we uh, we ask almost every guest that comes on that is an expert in the field of ASP.NET. Uh, what do you think about using a tool like the web matrix that generates inline code? Uh, do you see any compelling reason to still write ASP.NET pages using inline rather than code behind? I don't like code behind. Wow, there's a bombshell. 
Wow, that is, that is right. So uh, so you are writing your your uh, your code in line. Let's say that uh, as long as the size of the code is reasonably short, I do love using inline code. So you write I resort. I tend to resort Sorry. to code behind uh, only if the size and the complexity of the code requires a serious editor. That's so that it, means Visual you, Studio. So that means you don't use Visual Studio. Yeah, but I would welcome Dino. Wait a minute. Excuse me. So you don't. <laughs> so, hold on now. Carl's losing his mind. <laughs> so you don't use Visual Studio.net for ASP programming. Uh, well, consider that. No, okay. This is not correct. That I'm not using Visual Studio. Um, let's say that uh, in, in in my daily activity, not always I work on real okay. world projects. So if I work on production code, on code that needs to be real world and on complex applications, serious applications, real applications, I use Visual Studio. That's its store, period. But uh, a large part of my job consists in writing small pieces of code, test applications. Right. And uh, in this case, as long as the size of the code that I write is reasonably short to fit uh, in, in a script block, I prefer using inline code. Okay. I feel using inline code more natural. Thanks, thanks for clearing that up for me, Dino. I, I need to take my nitroglycerin pill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how funny! <laughs> well, uh, since you do some work with inline code, do you use the web matrix at all? I try. I, normally, I use Visual Notepad. Ah, Visual Notepad. Visual Notepad. <laughs> That's my favorite tool, absolutely. Yeah. Visual.net Notepad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Notepad.net. <laughs> hey, you won't be able to say that unless Notepad generates web services. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could use Notepad to generate a web service. Yeah, but there isn't a web service feature in Notepad, therefore it will never be Notepad.net. <laughs> <laughs> I will try to subclass yeah. Notepad yeah. <laughs> to make it support web services, to make it connect automatically. Also, an auto-update feature would be would be lovely. Right. Right. Well, do you know another thing that we uh, we like to quiz our guests about are uh, your favorite sites on the internet? Absolutely. Uh, where Where do you navigate to get information? What kind of information you mean? Well, just anything. Uh, what What are some of your favorite sites that you visit uh, multiple times in a week? Well, no, I think that the, the the website that I visit more often is an Italian the website of an Italian newspaper. That, that that's where I try to get all sort of information. Uh, well, I live in Italy, so normally I speak Italian. So well, that's ta- my favorite. That that's certainly the uh, Repubblica dot is certainly uh, the website that I visit more frequently. <laughs> okay, maybe I should clarify it as a technical website. Technical website, msdn.com. MSDN, uh, the homepage of MSDN, starting from MSDN and then uh, moving around. Are there any communities that you frequent, like forums or anything like that? No. News groups? No. The only website, the only community website that I hit from time to time is ASP.net. Okay. ASP.net. Sometimes ASPAlliance.com. But, uh, How about uh, your favorite tools, utilities, or other cool downloads? Notepad. Only Notepad. 
<laughs> Real men no, actually, use I, notepad. I, I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't use so many tools or so many special tools. You're a uh, there purist. is a utility. Oh, okay. Well, one of the utility that I really love is Anacrino. Uh, okay. Compiler. Yeah, yeah. What that's is it? my favorite tool. What is it? Absolutely. By far, my favorite tool. What, what is it? Anacrino. It's Anacrino. a decompiler. Oh. .NET decompiler. Free .NET decompiler. Right, is that the one that uh, Rammer used uh, in his book? He was decompiling uh, remoting code, I believe, with it. So tell me what you can do. Can you decompile the framework code? Yep. And, and what do you get? that's the way in which I discovered so many things. What, what do you in get? The book. Sorry, what, what do you get as the result of that? Source code? Source code. Uh-oh. You get C-sharp source code. Well, it, it is not exactly like the original source code, but it's enough for you. So you cannot really use to, to steal code, actually. Okay. But it's enough for you to form a clear idea of how things are implemented and how things are going on. So Which, for a- my purposes, yeah. uh, learning how the framework or portions of the framework work is, is, fundament- is a fundamental tool. Have you used any of the rotor code, to, to uh, the actual rotor code? Uh, yeah, I, I used that. I, uh, yeah, I know that, and I, I used extensively uh, the source code, the source files in Rotor. Uh, but consider that in Rotor there is no source code about ADO.NET and ASP.NET. Right. There's nothing Windows-specific, in other words. Yep. So for, uh, for me, writing now books on ASP.NET and mostly uh, ADO.NET, a tool like that is a fundamental help. Uh, when I wrote my XML book uh, last summer, uh, since the XML source files are in the rotor, I've used rotor. Absolutely. Hmm. Yep. Well, and you uh, can learn a lot of things. You can you can see that also uh, Microsoft guys uh, leave bags or use uh, well uh, strange, so to speak, uh, programming styles. Uh, for example, it's nice to see looking at the source code. Uh, uh, of the XML serializer class in Rotor, uh, I was pleased to discover that um, there is a clear and well-commented point in the, in the source code of the class in which there is, if this object is a data set, do this. Otherwise, uh. now actually, uh, if you consider that, for example, the XML serializer class is a class that can be used, the web services use to serialize back to the client in XML format uh, an object, which is the return value of a certain method. Sure. So, uh, you know that uh, you cannot have in a web service a method of a class returning a data table object. That's right. Data okay, if you try that, you have an error. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the error says that, more or less, uh, that the data table object cannot be serialized. But a data set can. Exactly. Yeah. Only the data set can. If you, if you, if you, only the, the data set can among the ADO.NET objects. So, the question is, you look, you read the documentation for the XML serializer class, and you learn that the, the class does not support, for serialization, classes that have circular references. So you say, okay, the ah. data table has a clear circular reference. So that's why I have this error. But also the data set has a lot of circular references. Uh-huh. Okay, so. that's the point. Because there is a clear if in the code of the class that supports in a special way XML serialization for the data set class. I get it. Yep, that's it. 
Well, that makes sense. Yep. Dino, any last-minute words of wisdom to impart on the listening audience? Uh, be productive. Be productive. They pro- oh, so the accent. Oh, productive. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Bellissimo. Oh, fantastico. Okay. Thank <laughs> it's you very, very cool. <laughs> thanks very much, Dino. Okay. Uh, uh, let, let me say it's very cool in Italian. E figo. Okay. <laughs> e fighissimo. What is it? Fighissimo. Sighissimo. Sighissimo. This, this isn't some swear that you're telling me so I can uh, go and offend people, is it? Right, you're going to say that and get slapped. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Dino. It's no, been, thank a, you. It's been you. a great thank pleasure. You. Thank you a lot. It's been a great pleasure having you. Let me just say home. thanks to you. I'm sorry? Uh, it's me to say thanks to you all. Oh, no. To you and Mark. All. Not at all. Well, it it was fun to meet you, Dino, and I enjoyed our conversation last night. Uh, Too. So that Definitely. that was uh, that was very nice. Okay. Well. Well, take the only problem was the southern barbecue, but <laughs> yeah, that was the downside. <laughs> I survived that, no problem. <laughs> right. Okay. Next week it's uh, time for uh, steak and eggs. I don't know. I can't think of anything. <laughs> oh well. Green eggs and ham. Green eggs and ham. All right, Dino. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Bye.